this is uh, in East McKeesport. We're planning a church. Uh, this is our first meeting of our missional community. And uh, it was just like, uh, we started this a couple weeks ago. And as you guys know, there's an up in and out rhythm to missional communities. So this past time, uh, we did our in rhythm where we did a worship and prayer night. And Timothy actually got to be there for it, which is awesome because, uh, you know, you guys have been supporting us even if you don't realize it. <laughs> you know, uh, we've been coming around the Gospel Tab family now for about a year. And throughout that time, we've been able to build relationships. And even in this picture, you see Peter here. And they see him around as well. Uh, and he comes out occasionally to serve in a capacity where it's like, hey, we just need another person. Would you be willing? And his answer is, yeah. Like, so he's partnered with us in that way. Timothy comes out now whenever he's able to. It's just um, a cool way because like, we understand the mission and we have it here. We've seen it and we've lived it. And now we're trying to essentially spread it and see what we can do in East McKeesport. And the people in this picture were, I think all of them except for one were at the prayer meeting. And they're starting to get that vision for it as well. Uh, but we're in a sermon series, so we'll pull up that, uh, that principle, or if you guys don't use the word principle, what do you guys use? Family. Yeah, family mission. So the, the father has adopted for himself a family made of every ethnic group and language. Our family is not defined by natural bloodline, social class, culture, affinity, or political tribalism. Here's the next slide, right? Uh, okay. Um, a little bit further into that, previous definition it says in addition we are a family defined by jesus our love and commitment for one another is forged in the crucible of mission we are a sent family one that goes and grows there is room at this family's table for even more daughters and sons and we welcome to our family even those nobody else wants uh, but first off let me tell you guys a little bit about myself i'm a church planter like what my technical job title is but most people are like what is that so I've redefined my job title, which I guess I can do. Joel's not here. He's my boss, so it works out. Uh, I tell people I'm a mission developer. So our goal is to go into East McKeesport and we're missionaries. We're there to develop the mission of Jesus. We're there to develop, uh, you know, just, um, you know, develop, oh my gosh, to, to develop development. You know, that's, a, that's a sentence. But, you know, that's honestly what we're doing. Um, you know, we are planning a community center alongside of the church. Uh, you know, we have, uh, coming up here, we, we're going to do an after-school program, is what we're leaning into. Right now, it just seems like that's where God's grace is. Uh, so, I'm really bad at introductions as well. So, that's my family. Sarah's back there, and my son, Bo. She's, like, looking at me. I'm like, did I introduce her? They were in the picture. And my other son, sorry, just left. Uh, so, anyhow. Uh, the other thing about me is I've been defined by my brother-in-law, who's one of my best friends. He calls me a serial hobbyist. Which just means, like, I always, like, am picking up new things. Uh, he says my favorite hobby is my next one. And he's not far off. <laughs> but there's a few that have stuck with me consistently, okay? And one of the things I like to do is I like to write. But there's kind of this problem when it comes to church and me writing. And the problem is that I write fiction. Um, and that's kind of weird for a pastor. You know, most pastors I know, like... Yeah, man, we need to be out there. We need to be on mission, changing lives. Like, let's write about all these hard things. And we're going to help people with these books. We're going to do Bible study books. And I'm over here like, I really like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, like, that's the genre I write in. Um, like, I have friends who are pastors. And he's like, he told me, he's like, yeah, I'd be really nervous sharing with my congregation that I write about dragons. I'm like, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I feel that. Um, 
Yeah. So, but, but this is where it can kind of get tricky, just as like a person, you know. I have this ability to put on like masks for dis- different situations, just because I have so many different hobbies, like, I'm not even going to list them, but there's a lot. Um, so I just, I re- refer to myself as a social chameleon. Does anybody else feel that way about themselves? Like I just automatically fit in. I can be instant friends with people. Um, and it's not wrong to share who you are and there's various parts of who you are. And it's okay that, you know, when I get around pastors, like they like to talk about theology, like that's fine, we'll talk about theology. Or writers, I'll talk about character arcs. Or fishermen, I talk about fishing stuff. But what is wrong is if I start to feel like I need to hide parts of who I am just because I'm around certain people. Um, oddly enough, though, like whenever I'm having a conversation with somebody or I'm inviting somebody over to dinner, I want them to be who they are to the max. Like, I just want to find out about you. Like, you're the most interesting person in the world. Uh, and I feel like this struggle to hide or minimize uh, for myself, like when I get invited places, it's almost like I feel like I shouldn't talk about like this big part of my life or what makes me, me. And this came out the other night. We were, Sarah and I were at dinner and we were at Connie and Rob Armato's house, if you guys know them. And that's the bad part about being friends with pastors, you get put in their sermons. Um, but it's a good way, it's a good thing. So we were at Connie and Rob's house for dinner, and they're just like amazing hosts. And we're talking, and they're like, just tell us your story, we want to find out about you guys, what makes you t-. And it was just like, kind of refreshing. So I start talking about being a writer, and I feel like I always have to get, like, give justifications or be like, all right, yeah, maybe I shouldn't like say go into it too much because they probably don't care about me being a writer. They probably just want to know about the church plant, things like that nature. Um, but that's not how they were at all. They like really dove in and like were pulling this information out of me to the point where I was like, Sarah, did I talk about writing too much after that? Uh, but it was like it was totally cool because it wasn't about the surface level. It was about them wanting to go deeper. Um, in a relationship with us, and it just felt made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, have you guys ever had an instance where you felt like the outsider like that, or maybe you couldn't share something, or maybe when you're at church on Sunday, you're like, yeah, I'm going to be like, you know, praising the Lord, it's going to be great, but I don't know about this part of my life. You know, some of you guys probably can't remember a time that you weren't involved in church. Some of you probably remember really vividly a time that you or maybe even recently you weren't involved in church, um, and yet others probably have grown up in the church and felt like you could never really be yourself. Uh, and I'll just say this real quick, though. Is like We've been around the gospel tab for like a year, um, and the community is one of the most authentic, loving Christian communities that I've ever been involved with, okay? Like, open arms to the max. Like, you don't have to put on a mask to walk through the doors and feel loved here, okay? Um, but just because you don't have to doesn't mean that you don't. All right? So some of us cringe at the idea of no makeup Sunday. Okay. That's a, that's a joke. Uh, or, or Sunday when someone asks you, how are you doing? And you're not allowed to respond with good, it's all good, living the dream, amazing, great. You actually have to tell what's going on in your life. Or maybe you have to wear your work clothes on Sunday. Like, I don't know if you guys have, like, have yard work or paint clothes. Like That's what you got to wear. Um, but so even this morning, I was actually bummed because my shoes, we were on a hike with my family. They're all muddy, the shoes I usually wear. I'm not somebody that is a sneakerhead or anything like that. Like you guys, if you see me, like my shoes are always stained and like strange or whatever. And uh, my shoes that I always wear for everything were like muddy, so they were in the wash and they're wet. So I had to wear these like chucks that I have. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's going to look like I'm a member of Nirvana preaching today. So I was like, all right, so my teenage self would be proud of me, but that's not where I'm at today. So I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying makeup is bad, okay, or dressing nice, or even small talk is bad. Like sometimes I live on small talk. Uh, and there's an art to it all. Like makeup and clothing can be an expression of who you are, you know, the extension of who you are. But it's not what makes you up. There's a joke in there. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is when we really start to do those things out of our insecurities and not out of who God's made us to be. Not out of the confidence that we're walking in that I'm a son or a daughter of God. So uh, a quick example um, of this, like in a church setting, if we just like go broad here, is that like the first time I ever came to Aliquippa, it was to like hang out with Steve Rossi because we were at a meeting and like God really like connected Steve and I. Uh, like divine intervention was like, you and Steve get together and hang out. Um, but it was essentially he told me one time I was like, yeah, we're having like revival in Alakupa, and I'm like, excuse me, like that doesn't happen in Western <laughs> Pennsylvania. Uh, so I was like, I'm coming out and I want to see what's going on. Okay, and what happened was I came out. And he showed me all the stuff that was happening. I was like, this isn't what I thought revival was going to look like, but this is it. It's happening. So, like, it was just, like, a perception I had that was wrong. Um, once again, that all being said, there's still more grace for this community to lead into. There's a, a deeper humility to go. Um, and even the act of trust, like, where we take off the mask and we show everyone so that we feel accepted um, when it comes to the church and the culture, we should ask ourselves, like, what does Jesus say about it? What's he calling me to in this mission? And maybe you have been on the sidelines uh, in terms of, like, being who you are, like, letting other people, it's like, oh, it's so good for them. Or maybe you've been in the thick of it. Maybe you have been embracing, uh, like, just showing who you are to people and, you know, being accepted and working out of that. Uh, I, was, I was at a, my friend Juan took me to uh, a men's night at a church the other night, and it was just great. Like, I didn't know anybody. I could just sit in the back of the room and worship. Like, there's no expectations. And I was like, yeah, this is good. Like, it's just, like, cool, like, there's no expectations because, like, I come around, like, where we are in East McKeesport, I'm, like, the pastor or the church planner or mission developer, and I come around here, and I have all these relationships, and, like, people kind of, but what was nice is, like, I've never felt, like, in this situation, in this setting here, that I couldn't be who I was. I can always be honest and just like talk to people, but that's not always the case. So like maybe you're in the thick of it still, like you're, you're experiencing that. Maybe you're on the sideline, like I hope I can do that someday. And today we're going to look at something Jesus says that I think is pretty fresh and, and real. Like let's look at what he has to say about kind of who we invite to the table and even the invitation that's being extended to you. So we're going to be in Luke 14 today. Uh, yeah, we've got it on the screen. So, it's different translation, but uh, I'm going to read from this one, if that's all right. You guys can follow along. It's pretty much the same. Uh, it says, then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon, yeah, we're good. We're good. Oh, the NIV, the NIV. Yeah, yeah, sorry. NIV, if you guys got your phones, you guys can pull it up. Um, yeah, I thought about it on the way here. Like, I haven't preached in a year, and I was like, maybe I should have made a slideshow. We should have made a slideshow. 
then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay, so you might be saying to yourself, I'm pretty confused. Why is Jesus talking about lunch? And if we take a step back, the Bible really helps us in terms of understanding the context of why he's saying this. So I just want to like step back to the start of chapter 14, and we're going to read from there through verse 14. It says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Jesus was not a popular guy with the religious leaders. But he was somehow invited to this prominent Pharisee's house. We, could, we might have a guess to who that might be, but we're not going to go into here. So there, there in front of him was a man suffering with abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent, so taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. So Jesus is dropping bombs on these guys. Keep going. When he noticed how the guests picked up the, picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you both invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take, up, take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then our passage for this week. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner... This, this has to be awkward because everybody can hear it. He's like, don't invite these people. You know, when you give a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your sisters, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and you, will say, and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. All right, so whenever I approach these passages, I kind of ask myself, like, the who, what, when, where questions. Um, and I thought, you know, it'd be fun to do this in kind of a, an example kind of way. So in this passage, we see that there's this Pharisee. He's hosting a, pro- a party. Uh, and it's not just this dinner with family. It's like a big deal, okay? It's an event to, to, to see and to be seen at. It would be like if that, that really non-controversial person... <coughs> Uh, we'll go with the Permani sandwich guy was hosting a party. Joe Permani. Joe Permani is hosting this party, okay? And fun fact, he was, bo- he was born and raised just over the hill from East McKeesport in Wilmerding. I did not know that till the sermon. You get, the, uh, you get this invite from Joe Permani, and even if you don't like him, even if you don't like the sandwiches, you still might go and just, just to say you went to a party hosted by someone famous. And even people who aren't from Pittsburgh, this guy's famous. All right, so next, the people at this feast come in, and they start to, this is back in Jesus' time, they start to lay down. And interesting enough, when they would host these parties, they didn't eat sitting up. They, sat, they ate laying down, okay? And they would have, like, sometimes couches 
Um, but there'd be like prominent spots where like you're sitting next to the host. There's like the left and right spot and like the two couches beside him. And like that's like where you want to be. And there's the people like further down the line. It kind of reminds me like uh, like lunch in high school. Like you have that sitting order. You know where you're supposed to sit. Like you have a spot. And even in this message, Jesus is like, now don't sit where you're not supposed to sit. Because, you know, you could humiliate yourself. But if we continue with that Permanis example, okay, it'd be like the people who sat next to Joe Permani, they got like extra meat on their sandwiches, triple meat on their sandwiches. And those on the couches next to them, they were getting, you know, double meat and then regular sandwiches. And then those on the end, they're getting McDonald's. It's catered in. It's still good, but it's different. There's a clear distinction. So as people sit down around Jesus, he starts to talk about who should be invited to these special places. These special banquets where, man, like the, 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 like the popular, the upper class, they want to be at, they want to be seen. And then they get to be honored whenever you come to their place because you invited them. But Jesus says, don't invite these people. Don't invite your friends, your brothers, sisters, rich people to these dinners. Because they're going to pay you back. Like, that's why you're doing this. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. So Jesus, uh, he redraws the boundary line of social norms in this instance. Those who are, yeah, those who are to eat with, yeah, who we are to eat with, to be around, to do life with, um, it's not just those who can give back to us. It is also those we get nothing from. Uh, Yeah, like, this is just like an interesting, yeah. We're going to nix that part of this because I was going to tell a story, but it's not that great. Uh, (laughs) uh, So we are blessed for inviting those who can't pay you back. And this might sound odd to some of us, okay? To others, this might sound normal. Uh, And like I said, that's just kind of the culture we're raised in where it's like some people I, I know are really into like getting everything they can out of somebody. And other people are like, I just want to serve everybody. Like, take it all. It's great. Uh, but as we, as we hear this, isn't it just something that is so Jesus and so something he would say? Like, it is like Jesus and the gospel together. Jesus does this for us in our own relationship with him. He models the humility he is asking for by coming and, for, and dying on the cross for people like us. We were enemies of God. He says... Uh, Paul says in Romans, he says, uh, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, you know, think about the lame, the crippled, the blind, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might die, possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus isn't asking you to do something he hasn't already done. In this, he levels the playing field between the guest and the host. Both positions, host and guest, are supposed to be ones where we can bless one another. Uh, So we are blessed for inviting those who can't pay you back and blessed by God for caring for those he loves. Okay, So Jesus says that we are going to be blessed by those who can't... uh, Give us an invitation in return. And you might be like, how? <laughs> you know, if you're a little bit more pessimistic, you might be like, how? Uh, we will be blessed at the resurrection of the righteous, which is an event down the road. And you know what? If for no other reason than in the future we're going to be blessed, like 
And if for no other reason than Jesus said it, said to send the invites, we should do it. Okay? Like, Jesus said it, let's just do it. But in this passage, it is clear that reaching the ostracized of the society is something he is deeply passionate and cares about. Okay? I almost didn't use the word ostracized in the sermon because I couldn't spell it. (laughs) But I feel like it's really important. Jesus cares deeply for the ostracized. Okay? And I was going to ask somebody to try and spell it here today, but I'm not going to do that because there's a C in there that sounds like an S. But it means the ostracized are those excluded by general consent from society, friendship, conversations, and privilege. So in this context, he's using this feast to make his point. He's speaking in a way that these religious leaders are going to grasp. grasp. Jesus is calling this Pharisee and those with him to start on the journey of humility, love, and ministry. Okay? To the ostracized. And guess what? They're not going to just come because you send them an invite. You're going to have to have a relationship. So maybe you can relate where you feel Jesus calling you on this journey, okay? Others of you may be on this journey and feel like the blessings are are already being poured out through acts of serving. But here's a question. How are you the host or how are you the guest? Okay. We all love like this family on mission that's around us. But we should always be asking ourselves, who are the people God is calling to the feast? And even is he calling you to the feast? Are you hosting the feast or are you being invited? So let's start with hosting the feast. In this teaching, Jesus, it's, it's easiest to go from this perspective because Jesus is talking to a host. And there's a number of areas that we can see that we can dive into here. So like, what does it mean to be a host in a relationship with people? What does it mean to be a host and empower people? What does it mean to host and have food? So let's start with relationship. Meals are often where relationship gets built. If you know any pastors, they probably want to eat food with you. And that's totally cool. It's biblical. When it comes to being in relationship with people that aren't being reached or entering into those spaces that people don't know Jesus, we have to be intentional. Okay? Like I said earlier, people aren't coming with your invitation if you don't know them. Um, you have to be intentional, and oftentimes that means embracing the awkward. Um, and, and the awkward goes both ways. And like that might mean not understanding a new context, uh, but being curious in that context. Uh, we have an example here. We have, uh, we have a family that we're like just coming to relationship with, and they are moving. They, have, they, came, they moved from Ecuador to the United States, they're currently in McKeesport, and now they're moving to East McKeesport, okay? Uh, and, man, it's just been some, some things like where we've missed, okay? There's just been, like, lack of communication. Like, his, his second language is, is English. And, like, there's parts of that that are, like, on me because I don't understand Ecuadorian culture, you know? And it's great because I get to learn from him. And he, like, learns from me. But one of the things, like, uh, we were supposed to meet this one night and have them over for dinner. And, I mean, he, did, he, he like, wouldn't text me back. He didn't show up. And I was like, oh, man, what's going on? And, like, inwardly, I'm like, come on, man, just text me back. Like, what's happening? Well, it turns out his wife had a baby, so he gets a pass there. Um, so we ended up deciding to take dinner to him. Uh, we're like, hey, we'll bring over dinner for you guys. And, like, once again, like, 
it's just like one of those things where like I'll text him like, hey man, I need your address. Like I'm gonna bring over dinner, and it was just like no response, no response. And I get a response like after like my family eats dinner, like it's like all right, I'll be home at like eight fifteen. I was like, all right, man, I'll be there at eight fifteen, you know. But it was just like one of those interesting like things where it's just like. We, we missed in certain areas and it creates some gaps, some miscommunications. But like, if we come in with that, you're like, that's okay. Like, I, I went over there and we sat down and we talked for like a half an hour. Like his sister-in-law was there and his brother and there was a bunch of kids. Um, and man, it was just uh, a blast. But like, you know, I took him dinner, but I probably got more out of that experience than he did. <laughs> you know, like, that's okay. So, uh, even moving into our new neighborhood, this is something that people have told me is just because, like, I'm in my neighborhood, I'm missional, I'm trying to meet new people, and we start connecting people in our neighborhoods that have lived there for years and never met. And like, I was like, how am I the one connecting? I've been here since October. And one of the things he said to me, and this is when it comes to being a host, he said to me, he's like, he was excited that somebody like me was in that neighborhood because he's leaving his street of all people from Ecuador to move up to East McKeesport. And it's like, how can we create more community around us that's, that, that does that? So, like, in a way, like, I get to be a host for my neighborhood. You know what? Like, that's cool. Like, I'm really happy to do that. Like, um, it's a really humble thing, too, like I said, because there are so many things that I just don't know. There's so many questions I have to ask people. Like, that's, it's, it's cool. Uh, so the next is, like, host and empowerment. Not always having the answers. So this, is, this was an instance where I was the host, and I had no power, okay? And, which is which I'm okay with. Like, so I love soccer, and when I was canvassing my neighborhood, uh, I was knocking on doors, and one of the guys that I met, he's from Ghana, okay? And I was like, hey, man, like, having read a recent soccer article, I was like, are you going to watch the Africa Cup of Nations? He's like, you know about this? It was, like, amazing for him that I knew about this. I was like, yeah, like, I, I have soccer. Let's get together and watch a game. Um, so, it, like, we watched one game, and then his country didn't do super great, and they got kicked out of the tournament, and I was like, Jesus, if you cared about sports once, just have gone a win. <laughs> but, but it didn't happen, and, like, that's fine. And I was like, all right, so, like, whatever, mission opportunity lost. Like, well, he, he lets me know. I see him in, like, the alley behind our house. He's like, hey, I'm bringing people over on Sunday to watch the final. And me and Sarah are like, all right, let's do it. Um, so like he and some other people come over and I was just like, like, so who are we cheering for in this? Like they have a vested interest in this. Like, that's fine. Um, who are we cheering for? Uh, there's times where they were speaking, uh, like, like the native language of Ghana. And I was like, no idea what was happening in this conversation. Once again, that's cool. We're on mission together. I'm hosting. Like, I'm finding more out about who they are. And, like, I'm interested. So the people have something you don't, and you need it. Okay? What they're bringing to our neighborhood is something I can't bring, but it's something that's going to make our neighborhood better. Uh, so we host in food, too. Have people over for dinner. Share who you are. Jesus made you for these relationships, and if you are having dinner, you, yeah, you are there for a reason. You don't make it all about you, but it's okay to share as equals in, this, in these instances. Like I said, it's fun, and it's awkward, and it's great. Um, and just real quick, here's a, a tip. If you don't know where to start, ask someone to show you. Okay? You're like, what? You're like, Wes preached a sermon about awkward relationships. I don't have any. 
Where do I start? Um, and people will take you. There's been times where I've done church planting. This is my first time church planting. Um, and I've had to call people. You know, like where I grew up, nobody knocked on a door. It just didn't happen. And where I live now, that's like one of the way, main ways I meet people. So the first time I went out to knock on doors, like I had like my flyers. I walk out the door and I'm like overwhelmed. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can do this. So I like called Dave Smock. I'm like, Dave, are you available? Uh, he's like, no. So then I called I call Joel and Joel's like, yeah, I'll be out tomorrow. And he brought so like we knocked on doors like for two hours. And then after that, I was like, fine. Like I was totally cool with it. Like it just made me feel good. Like, okay, people aren't going to hate me for knocking on their doors. Um, and like, that probably comes, like, when I was a kid, my church had me do this, like, knock on the door, and this, like, person slammed the door in my face, so I was probably a little bit left over from that. But that's, all, that's pretty much gone now. So now I knock on doors. Uh, it's great. But here's a warning as well. So there's a tip. Here's a warning. Don't host out of guilt. People know when you're fake. If you don't have love, seek it. Pray for it. Ask God to move you in it. There are times where God will ask you to minister to people that it's hard to minister to. Ask God to put Jesus' love for that person in your heart. You know what? And that's something you pray with, with your person that you're with that's taking you through these awkward situations and this outreach and hosting. All right, so that's hosting the feast. And like I said, we're all going to be there. And that's, that's great. I love hosting. Um, but also there's those times where we are called to the feast. You are invited, and an invitation means you are wanted, okay? If you are invited, yes, yeah, so like I said earlier, like I really want to emphasize this. If you're inviting somebody, there needs to be a relationship, or else why would they come? Why would you go if there wasn't a relationship in place? So this is, this is uh, something that I really like, is that when you're being invited, think of it like this. Like, if you've been invited to a wedding, there's a difference between receiving a cousin invite and a friend invite. If you're receiving a cousin invite, oftentimes it's because you made the cut, okay? And if you're receiving a friend invite, it's because they actually want you there. Um, you, you're not going to eat first, and like, that's fine. You're not going to give a better wedding gift, but you're there because they want you there, okay? So when it comes to these invitations, and you're being invited, um, sometimes it's good to humble yourself and be like, yeah, you know what? Like, let's go hang out. Um, they want me to be there. You're blessed by those who are different because they are different. Okay? I mentioned earlier that we... Uh, oh my goodness, that's a weird sentence the way I wrote that. We'll start over. Uh, if you are here this morning, you are here because God has something for you to do. It is not the mask that he has something for, to do. Okay? So... Um, you know, I, like, I've done counseling before, and we talk about this idea of pr protective personalities that we put on, because that's the safe thing to do. Okay, but if God's calling you to something, he's calling you, not that face you put on. He's actually calling you, not the mask. So I could preach a whole sermon on this because it taps into the uniqueness of who you are as well. Jesus calls us to die to self-true and to selfishness. That doesn't mean that he calls us to die to be exactly like the person beside you. You know, there are things where he calls us to, to be in conformity with, but he's also gifting us in different ways. You know, his, his church is diverse and beautiful. You know, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm a hand, I can't be an eye. You know, that's just how it is. He is giving us different stories. You know, he's giving us different victories over different struggles as well. So like I said earlier, I write fiction. That is something God has put in me. 
I don't know how God will use it for mission. He has never commissioned me to write something. But it is something that is healthy for me. Uh, I can see ways I plan to use it for a missional sense. But it hasn't come to fruition yet. And if we have time, we actually might give, a sh- give it a shot today. But we'll see. But like I said, it has been years of me doing this practice that I feel like is part of who I am. And like God, like I'm like, God, is this worth keep doing? Like, is this worth it for me to keep doing? Like, I'm not seeing the fruit from it yet. And he's like, yeah. Um, so, so we might give it a shot. Earlier. So blessed, we're blessed by those who are different because they are different, okay? And this is a third one that I thought was interesting and made me think of it when I read this passage this week. So if we are refusing that invitation, so that means sometimes we are robbing people of their for otherness if we choose not to show up. So let me explain. Uh, I read it in this book by Houston Gonzalez a while ago. He has this principle of for, for otherness. So Genesis 2, when God creates Adam and Eve, he's, he says, it, or when he creates Adam, he says to him in 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Okay, so it is not good for man to be alone we are created in a sense for others, not just ourselves. So this is a principle of for other. Uh, we have an internal sense of for otherness, okay? When we choose not to go to the table, we are invited to. We actually have the ability to not only to deny ourselves the for otherness of the host, uh, we also deny the host the opportunity for their for otherness for us, that they were created for. We deny them the opportunity to be for us and at the same time, reject us being for them. And that's just whenever you get together in relationships, things happen and, and like you become closer. Like, it's, I don't know, relationships are cool. Um, this does not mean, though, that we put ourselves in harm's way, but we can ask the question is God calling me to this invitation? And we don't have to say yes to every invitation, but the ones that God's calling us to, we need to say yes to. So when God calls us, we can take things like fear and replace them with curiosity. All right, so I mentioned we might get into my book. I don't know what time it is. Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. I don't know what time this ends, but I think we're good. Um, <laughs> so, so what, <laughs> one, of my, one of my passions is, a, is, uh, is like, that's a weird thing to say. One of my passions is recovery. I was going to say addiction. I'm like, no, not addiction, but recovery. So I'm writing a book on addiction. Okay, and in this book, um, it's about this guy, is, and he creates this machine. Okay, it's a fiction book. So we have to suspend our view of reality for a second here. Just, just listen. So he creates this machine where if you get hooked up to it, like your memories with a person are displayed on the screen. Okay? Okay, so kind of like a movie theater. Somebody gets hooked up. They see memories of the person. Okay, so he views himself, this guy's inventor, uh, after the machine's invented, he, what he calls, he creates a museum where he has art exhibitors come in and they put on these shows. And these shows are people coming and displaying memories with uh, the person that's the artist, okay? We good? We all following along? Okay, it's, it's better in the book. Okay, but in these relationships, each of the three people that we follow are all addicts, Okay. Uh, and the, the, the point of the book is to increase empathy uh, for those in addiction. And it's not to say that everyone, like, gets access, uh, but to have them 
is better than not to have them, if you know what I mean. To see loss helps us uh, recognize the need we have for them. So hopefully, yeah, so hopefully, so like I said, that was really confusing. Back to my, my book that I was talking about. So each of these persons, uh, it's actually big spoiler. So if you know somebody's going to read the book, don't tell them this. Um, after, at the end of this book, after the, each artist has like three people share about their lives, and it really shows the road to addiction, uh, in some sense it's recovery, uh, it's actually a funeral home. And people are seeing, it's essentially the eulogy. And why I'm doing this is because uh, these people have ceased the relationships and they are realizing that there is a furtherness that they're lacking in their lives. But like I said, that's not to say that every person, you know, gets access into your life, that there's not boundaries. You know, Jesus does not want you, um, like I said, there, there are ways to establish these things, but Jesus does not want you to pass these relationships by. There may be relationships where boundaries are established, but do that with others, not just by yourself. You know, be the host God's calling you to be. And just because at, the, at times your host doesn't, you're the host doesn't mean you can't be the guest as well, or even the person who just helps the guest get to the door. Okay. I hope I didn't lose you there with that book analogy. That did not go like I thought it was going to go. It's a confusing book. It'll be make more sense if you read it. But all that to say is that for them, in, in my book, is that they're supposed to invite the addict to the table, and they didn't get invited. You know what I mean? And then you see it too late. I hope you don't see it too late. And like I said, I'm not, it's a, God's going to call you to who you're supposed to invite. Um, but we are all called to this. We're all called to invite. We're all called to host. And so is the church. And this is part of being Christians. Like I said earlier, I love the gospel tab because this is part of the DNA and it is part that is being modeled. So let's imagine Jesus is addressing the church and not the Pharisee. He says, church. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, although they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So you're inviting the ostracized. Now, you only use that word because it's so weird, and you're going to remember it. Church, there is room at this family's table for even more daughters and sons, and we welcome to our family even those nobody else wants. So for Sarah and I, as church planters in East McKeesport, this is something we want to start with. When I talk to people about the church plant, I let them know if they're going to be a part of it, this is something we're doing. Okay, I'm upfront and honest. Like this is something, it's, it's not always easy, but it is who we are called to be as Christians. And who said Christianity was going to be easy anyways? It is something that we as Christians do. And like I said, I was also, like, I got to share some stories about our church planting in my message today. But the family on mission here, you know, it truly is humble. And it is special in the sense that it tries to give away what it has. It is unique that it serves in a way that those who can, have, who, who can give nothing back are loved and supported. For some, this community is all you've ever known of Christianity. For others, this might actually be a healing thing. I mean, that's kind of where I fit in. For others, you might be checking it out and feel confused that this culture even exists when you haven't seen it anywhere else. But we're called. We're called to host. We're called to accept invitations. And if you guys have questions about how to do that in the Gospel Tab family um, and how the Gospel Tab is doing this, go ahead and ask the Furmans. Um, ask the members of staff here. 
it is okay if you don't know where to start because this is something that as the church as a whole gets behind. This is part of being a disciple of Christ and the church wants to see you grow into this. All right. John, did you want to pray or do you want me to pray? All right. Jesus, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your boldness and your love. We thank you for the way that you redraw the lines. Lord, we thank you that you do these things before you ask us to. God, I pray that uh, everybody here uh, can ask that question of who they're supposed to invite to the table. And then ask also, where am I being invited? Um, Lord, maybe that means when they're invited to that table, they're worried that that mask that they've held on to, uh, they're worried about taking it off. God, you're not a God of fear. Lord, we pray for courage, Lord, and Lord, just the ability to take risk, because in that risk, we find trust, and we can find love. So we pray for risk takers here today. God, we just love you, and thank you for the work you're doing uh, in this Franklin Avenue church, in this movement in Western Pennsylvania. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.